0: It is my joy to sit down with a friend and one of the best men I have ever, ever met. David Barton. David is an interesting guy. He is the founder of Wall Builders, which is this great pro-family organization that teaches principles, preserves history, teaches principles. He speaks to over 400 groups every year. David himself has authored many books. One of them, I remember when I was just starting to wake up in my 30s, one of them I read and I loved the book and then forgot about it. And one day I met David Barton and I'm like, hey, you're the guy that wrote one of my favorite books. He has been involved in Supreme Court cases. He is very involved in national politics, local politics. He is even a guy who has under a nom de plume helped write some of the history books in many states to make sure that our standards in school are right and that is so faltering now but David is on a mission to preserve our history and teach it he is described as America's historian time magazine called him a hero to millions including some very powerful politicians I have no idea what we're going to talk about I know he's brought some treasures in with him but David Barton is always a fascinating interview I think if I could have any job, it would be the two of us in a van doing American Pickers. Yeah. Um, you are the guy who, who has taught me probably more about America than anybody else. I've learned so much from you, David. And I also learned um, how to make a compelling argument from you. Um, I have learned what a good friend is. I've learned what a good Christian is because of you. Um, And we, I don't even know how we first met, but I think you're probably like this. I I
1: can tell you part of that story. And by the way, um, thank you for the kind words, but it's very much reciprocal as well. What I've learned from you and depth and maturity and vision and patience, a lot of stuff. balance thank you You, you've been it's been great it's been iron sharpens iron bible verse i think maybe we helped each other hopefully yeah i think we have you were going to do something called the american revival and the american revival arena events Mm. tampa phoenix etc and you were doing faith hope and charity Mm. and you called me and said i've got the guy for for hope i got the guy for charity um and this past weekend three or four people gave me the same book original intent and it had you on it and i've seen something from you earlier and i, think I
0: have i should have you autograph it i have my f- probably first edition copy of wow. of uh, of that book that you wrote in the 90s right uh i i think it was 92. yeah i think it's was 92. uh and i loved that book And yeah. it, it i didn't even know it was you until people started Ending yeah, it. And yeah. then I was like, oh, I know this
1: book. I love this yeah. book. And that's when you said, so why don't you do the faith thing? And so we did those arena events. And, and so that was pretty early on. Yeah. And so that was the first time we really got connected. And I think the the Founders Fridays came after
0: that, really? as I recall. I think it was. Yeah. We have did uh, Founding Fridays, Founders Fridays every Friday. And the network hated it. Fox hated it. Hated it hated it they gave me so much grief they really oh my gosh you know that don't you did i not no, ever tell I did, you i didn't know they gave you grief. oh my gosh I knew they the gave jack me and the cameraman the guys oh. really loved it no the the floor crew regular people oh. loved it yeah. but uh you know they didn't fox didn't, no, I, didn't uh, I didn't i didn't know fox didn't like it um and uh, but it was fun and and what i learned from you david Um, and this is where we make such a good team. What I learned from you is it's one thing to say, um, Ava Braun was a monster, was a monster just as much as Hitler was monster. And another thing to say, Ava Braun was a monster. She, she, she even had her hats made by a jewish woman hmm. uh who ended up in treblinka she didn't care killed at treblinka killed at killed, Tre- at Tre- killed because and that she- is a bronze hat right right <laughs> right there is there is such a difference between telling a story and then having something yeah that is uh, that that verifies it's not, it's not imagination anymore right N- now you've got
1: something tangible in front of you right and it shifts the whole argument it's right. not it's not what are your credentials
0: is oh my gosh that's right that's the real one shifts now, everything here's what kills me is you used to be you've been a collector forever you were buying george washington stuff when it was like a dime a dozen yeah, that's right. right they couldn't give that's it right. away right, that's right.
1: I, when i was buying george washington stuff the highest price george washington letter i saw was was five hundred bucks? Oh my gosh! And if I bought everything oh now, I would I would have I, I would own Trump Towers. If, oh if my god! I mean, we we know a guy who's who's been offered a million dollars for a single George one. Washington letter. One million one. for one letter. Yeah, I, I I see them typically go forty to sixty. I've seen them up to two hundred thousand. I don't have one. Uh, we have some.
0: Yeah, I know. I they, don't.
1: They, they were. Do. <laughs> Yeah. you've got the, the the badge of merit stuff and you've got yeah. Stony Point. so you got yeah. you got some some good washing and stuff i guess
0: I, yeah i guess i do i yeah, guess i you, do you got I some washing it. stuff yeah. yeah yeah
1: so but I, again you know back when we were doing it and it's interesting when when we started out we drove everywhere cuz had three kids we couldn't fly to five couldn't afford to fly five people everywhere so i drove all over the united states so we retired three vans with 300,000 miles on each van so nearly a million miles driving the country and as we were going through places, we would see old junk stores, old secondhand shops, thrift shops. Would stop did your at. Did kids
0: ever get to love that?
1: Uh, yeah, they didn't know anything else. I mean, th- that's that's really? how they grew up. Kids that's what they did.
0: Hate it. I go to. I I drive, and just like my mother, I drive and I see an old antique store or something, and we're everyone go everyone in the car mm-hmm. is like, "Please, dad, no, 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 no." And I'm like, "Well, just kind of run in and just see what they have." Yeah. And I'm there. I I've I've realized I'm a hoarder I'm just a very oh, very rich hoarder I had somebody come over to my house and they you know they they um were trying to help us on interior design on something and she said you're a hoarder and I said <laughs> she really I said well I mean, nothing's stacked up and I don't have to use it as aisles. And she said, no, she said, don't get me wrong. She said, I don't think you could live in a smaller house. She said, because you're a hoarder, not of stuff. You're a hoarder of stories. Yeah, that's right. She said, everything in your house has a story. And I realized it's true. true. I can't get rid of stuff because I this, this is, story. Most people would be like, what are you going to do with that? Are you kidding me? This is Ava Braun. I can tell, can tell the story 10 about, stories right. just that's based right. on this hat. That's
1: right. And that's the fun part about history, especially the way we, we go at it, is, I, you know, I, I think the Bible is God's word. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, it's a history book. Yes. So if we say it's a history book and if we say God was the author, it always strikes me as interesting. We ask people this. What year did David kill Goliath? Answer is nobody has a clue. That's because it's not important. See, what we focus on today is all the years and the dates. And back then it was stories. Now I can tell you the story of David killing Goliath. That's a cool mm. story for, for a teenage kid to take on a seven-and-a-half-foot guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, the story is what it's all about. And so when God gives us history, it wasn't with, with the way we do it today, which really is, is pretty boring it was about so i would say the bible is also a hoarder of stories i it mean whether it's you know the three huber children because daniel
0: david that is what history is it is it is you no know, it's so boring the way it's taught it's mm-hmm. so incredibly boring and i believe now that i've done my homework I believe intentionally so. I think they've wrecked the story of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you can wreck history, you don't know who you were. You don't know where you came from. You don't you don't know anything. Well, the, the thing that I've always seen is that
1: you can't remake your history until you first stop teaching history. What
0: you can do mm-hmm. is a- attack it. Then you
1: stop teaching it. Then you come back with a whole different story. Did you see the
0: article in, I think it's Texas Monthly. Did you see this? No. I, I, I actually have it at my house i haven't finished reading it yet i was going to bring it to you i wish i had it now the the new texas history on the cover of texas monthly it says are you ready to remember the alamo the civil war and uh something else uh texas differently yeah and i'm like no no i mean if it's true yeah This 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 group came out and they looked for a great writer. They didn't look for a historian. The guy's not a historian. He's a journalist. And the quote that jumped out at me was the was at the top of the article. I just uh, am. I can't remember exactly, but it was like I I am just repelled by the standard big picture of Texas. And you're going to write the history. Uh, I think that's the historical picture, of <laughs> right? Right. I mean, th- what people don't understand and what why we make such a good team—that's like letting an OU guy write the history of University of Texas. No. Th- that's not going to go real it's well. Not, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like having—it's like having Chevy write the uh, the uh, the, the, history the history of Ford, of Ford or yeah. Chevy probably could, but. Dodge or, uh, uh, or or Tesla? You're yeah. not going to have them write it. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Um, but the thing I think that makes um you so interesting and the two of us so deadly is <laughs> yeah. when I first met you, you were all about the best things, mm-hmm. and your collection. How many how many founding letters do you have in papers?
1: We total is 120,000 documents, originals, copies before 1812. How many letters? I don't know. I mean, know.
0: just the documents. Documents, 120,000. Um, and our collections combined, if I'm not mistaken, are only surpassed. This is something I heard a while back, and you'd know better. Only surpassed by the Library of Congress and uh, the National Archives. Well, what we're told is the collection we have
1: collectively mm-hmm. is the largest privately held collection of founding era materials. And so, if that's accurate, then that means the National Archives, Smithsonian, Library, Congress—they're bigger. Mm-hmm. But as far but as it's an, stuff, it's an institution, it's an
0: institution. Yeah. Um, you collect all those great, wonderful, game-changing things. I've always collected the dark yeah and hitler's napkin where they yeah. tried to blow him up yeah well that's actually a What oh well, it is <laughs> <That's right. laughs> i mean i have you know the witch I, trials and and yeah all the i stuff have got. Yeah. all the witch trial
1: stuff and everything else um but it's it's a good combination because you tell the good the bad the ugly you tell all of it and and this is the problem with taking statues and monuments down is I can tell you as much from bad as I can from good, and I
0: can give you just as many life lessons from the bad as I can from. If the good. you erase William, uh, no, not William, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, Forrest. Yeah. If you erase him, we don't have anything to learn from. Mm-hmm. He is an abomination of a man. Yes. Um, and there were statues up. I mean, the first time our elementary schools named after named him. after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, if you don't, if you don't, if you just erase him. We, we fail to learn from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember uh, a friend has his sword. Oh, wow. And yeah. And he said. And well, I wouldn't want to test the DNA on that. I know. Fort Pillow. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know. He was. So if anybody doesn't know who he is, he's the guy who during the Civil War and Fort Pillow, look it up, massacre, horrible. After they
1: surrendered. After. after they gave up. It wasn't just a massacre of soldiers. It was a massacre
0: of surrenders. So it's like a massacre of POWs. Right. It and it up. was mainly black that he killed. It was blacks. Um, and, um, and then he skinned many of them and, and, and took their skin and nailed them to sides of barns like pelts to mm-hmm. say, mess with us. And this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the war, he's the guy who was the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. He's Horrible. Horrible you can't erase a guy like that let's talk about him yes because you got
1: lessons you can learn from him and his thinking what he, i'm intrigued with going to israel i mean we've got the cruise. we're going to be in israel mm-hmm. and when we get there we've got monuments to absalom we've got streets named after king ahab i mean those are some of the worst guys ever but they remember them because you can learn from the bad as well as the other uh, you know as much as i disagree with many things going on in germany You know, their economic system, their view of rights and the the European court, everything else, what they do well is they don't tolerate Nazism because they have kept alive
0: museums to show what the Nazis did, what they what they believed. They got all these collections. They they have so much again. I mean, I'll push back a bit. I don't like the fact that you can't read Mein Kampf. Right. I read Mein Kampf when I was trying to do my own homework and figure out. Did the German people know? Yeah. You know, the, the only 30 percent did the German people know what he was going to do. Well, Mein Kampf sold more copies than the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was everywhere. Yeah. Every German had to read it. And it's very clear, clear especially what he was the last gonna part, what he's yeah. going to do. Oh, yeah. yeah like,
1: I mean, up to the up to the first part, most people would say no problem with this. But then he takes it all and turns it to a conclusion. Now, here's what we do. And you go, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. and And reading
0: that. Yeah. But you can't. In Germany, I think it may have just been list, lifted, but oh, you can't I didn't read that in Germany. Oh, yeah, no. Oh. You cannot have a wow. copy of, of Mein Kampf. Yeah. So interesting. You, know, you forget about things like this, which fascinates me, David, that you just are these are mm-hmm. these Mercury, or these
1: yours? They're things that I, I bought on the last trip to Poland and brought back
0: and put in the Mercury One collection. I really despise the fact that you have the sewing machine. Yeah, that's right. A sewing machine that was made to use SS uniforms. Jews Jewish slaves were using it to make it, SS uniforms, and it's crazy. And they didn't have health care problems
1: because once you hit 65, they just killed you. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, you don't need to worry about... You know? That. Do you
0: you know much about Kurt Garon? No, I don't. Oh, gosh, David. we got to find some stuff on Kurt Garan. Kurt Garon was a comedic actor um, in Germany. He was huge. He was i mean who's the biggest comedic actor he was like a tom hanks kind of Mm -hmm. guy okay um and everybody loved him but he was jewish and for a while he got away with it um under the nazis until they finally started rounding people up and he was still kind of on the edge but they started rounding people up at the studio and they said all jews get out he was allowed to stay for a little while longer um and then he realized they're they're going to get me too and yeah. so he fled to the netherlands and um he uh was working in the netherlands and he was the first guy to make fun of hitler in the cabarets he had made fun of him wow. for years and mocked him before he came to power hitler hated him wow. um and so the germans when they you know they overtook you know holland and amsterdam and everything else uh, they went in to find him. They brought him in um, and brought him to just the outskirts of Auschwitz. I'm trying to remember the name of the town, but they had built this town, walled it off, and built this town to be idyllic. And it was just as Germany was starting to say, you know, what is happening with all the Jews? And Hitler was saying, that's all conspiracy theory that we're yeah. killing. We, yeah. We've we shipped them to a, a yeah. place of their own. They've got their own place. Yeah. And people were, it was starting to come undone a bit. And so uh, he told Kurt Caron, they built this whole town, filled it with Jewish people. They said the Jewish people, when the trucks came and opened up, they started to see instruments that they had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And they thought, good God, what are they going to do to us? It was film equipment. Mm-hmm. And they said to Kurt, they said, Um, these people and you, you're all going to be dead in three days unless you make this film. And so they he agreed to it, made this film, David, it was the most cruel thing ever. They dressed everybody up. They put all this food on the shelves. They made it this beautiful little town. They had the symphony. They had the the greatest, all of the intellectuals. If you were famous or known, you went to this town. And, um, and so, Kurt uh filmed the whole thing. They had the Nazis just offside the camera. And uh, when they were showing how they were eating, you'll never see any of them put food in, in their, their mouth. mouth. Yeah. You'll see the spoon come up and you were, they, these people were starving. These, yeah. you were beaten to death if you um, ate anything. So you had to film like you were happy and, and eating and then put it down wow. and not eat. He finishes the film, they edit the film, and uh, it's a masterpiece. You can watch it on, on, on YouTube. It's a masterpiece. Wow. They rounded everybody up, put them on trains. They were dead the next day. Wow. Uh, and Kurt Caron was the last one, and he, they say that he was last seen in the town square pleading for his life, but I did everything you said I, I, yeah. I needed to do. You, you can't take me and my family and they did they did and he was known i can't remember the name of the song but it's a well-known song and he was known for singing that song in Mm -hmm. his comedies and as he was lined up in the shower they forced him to sing that wow um that happy song while he was doing that while he's done horrible horrible never heard of him yeah no you should look him up we have to find some stuff for him he's 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 um, a martyr yeah, and, a, and, 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 and just an interesting kind of what would you do in his situation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So these are stamps for passports? One is Jewish. It's an
1: official stamp out of the ghetto, the Warsaw Ghetto. And that's where they rounded up Jews to eventually kill them, ship them off, kill them. The other, I forget the name of the concentration camp. It was one of the, the death camps, and it was a really brutal death camp. And there is very little known. the the the, Ger- the Germans tried to destroy a lot of the death camps in oh, Poland. Poland. You know, they burned Treblinka, they blew it up, and that came from one of the, those death camps they tried to to destroy. So
0: Poland lost Poland lost twenty twenty percent of their population. Well, and it's, it's the most more people were lost population percentage. Yeah. In Poland than I think any place else. Been to Poland a
1: lot of times, take congressional delegations there. Poland is such a cool country. So good. They love America. The two biggest statues in Poland, Pope John Paul II and Ronald Reagan. Reagan.
0: And those are the two. But And you, the train station. They leave the train station. Have yes, you you've seen yes, the train station in yes. Is it Warsaw? Yes. It's, it was a gift. People the, were starving. That's right. And Stalin, I think, said. Built it with slave labor. Yeah. And it's this Ugly monstrosity, yeah. and they won't tear it down. And because they won't it's tear it down because they want it a for reminder. a reminder. It's a, yes, it William Bedford Forest and those schools and everything else. Remember what this and is. Point to that, and all yes. the brutality yes. of, of the
1: Soviets, what yes. Stalin did to them, and that's why yes. we remember. So, what's amazing about Poland is you can, if you go two kilometers in any direction, a little over a mile, one point two miles you will come on a mass burial site throughout the entire nation of Poland. You cannot go more than two kilometers without hitting a mass burial site. And so if they put in a parking lot for Walmart, they have to stop because they will uncover three or four mass grave sites. It, it's just amazing to to imagine living in a country where they
0: lost that many, so like, I, much of their population. I went there. Did I go with you that time? No. 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 Um, I went there and I, um, you know, I saw all of the, the sites and and uh when i was there i was so angry at mm-hmm. the people the churches basically mm-hmm. where the hell were you yeah i mean as you you're driving away from um from auschwitz and we had george lang going with us because we were mm-hmm. making a documentary yep and tanya and i will look at those pictures once in a while um you know just keep them on the computer and once in a while be looking through pictures and stuff and We'll see those and without anything in the background we know which ones were taking mm. taken at Auschwitz. Wow. Because you see it in us. Yeah. It's just mm. bone crushing to yeah. be there. And I remember driving away thinking, Where were you? Yeah. One point, you know, two miles away in any direction, and you've got a burial site. Where were you? Yeah. And the chief rabbi of Poland said, uh, there were more what did he say? Seven thousand righteous among the nations that mm-hmm. saved um, uh, Jews. And I said, that is depressing. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, depressing. Do you know what those 7,000 people had to go through to save? Mm-hmm. And it, it really spun things around. But I, I, I just, until recently, I couldn't believe the cowardice mm-hmm of the mass population, but you look at, have you ever read the book, um, uh, oh gosh, what was it, Average Gentleman or something? I can't remember. It's a study on one of the police forces that became Mm -hmm. one of the most brutal killers in Poland. And it was, how did they get there? They were one of the greatest police forces that were so great and integrated in the community and everything else. And within a month, they're just slaughtering the Jews. Wow. And how did they do it? Ordinary gentlemen, or ordinary, something like that. Um, and it's fascinating to read, David, because if you read it, you start to see patterns yeah. on how you just break people down a little bit at a yeah. time. And before you know it, you're not the same man. Yeah, that's right. And it is little by little. And that's what happened to the German
1: people, because when Hitler comes in 33, By the time you get 45, you're 12 years, and you've had propaganda going. Plus, he not only killed 6 million Jews, he killed 7 million Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So he killed both sides, uh, just anybody that
0: that opposed him. We have been working on this documentary that I just have no time to finish, but we are going to finish it. Uh, And it is on uh, the myth of Christianity, being that Hitler was Christian. That was a Christian movement. Yeah. I had, a, I had a Holocaust survivor tell me that once, said, it's
1: you Christians. Hitler was a Christian. Um, actually, he killed Christians. Actually, more Christians than he did Jews. But I, I get the deal. If you were you know, a if, Lutheran, a state-established church, he's in Germany. Every German's a Lutheran or a Jew.
0: Right. Got it. The German churches, actually, within, I think it was the first 12 months of Hitler taking over, they were actually saying, we should get rid of the Old Testament because it's Jewish. Oh, I mean, they're they're wow. the, the the core. That's why people like Bonhoeffer, who were so really remarkable. right. The ones who actually believed in Christ, mm-hmm. the ones who actually did it. Yep. They didn't say, sing louder, play the organ louder so we yep. can't hear the train going by. Yep they would they did something they did so well we, we've been
1: there are 200 righteous among the nation left today in poland and so we've been making trips over where we're getting um for example one of the cool ones a 60 year old jewish lady uh maybe 70 year old and a 95 year old christian guy he saved her and so get them back together and so it's really cool stuff and just it, we talked to we talked to a, a guy. He's nearly hundred years old, and he ran a factory in, in in Poland. And he saw what was happening to the Jews, and so he would find corrupt German guards, and he would buy Jews from corrupt German guards, get them to his factory, get them a Polish name, get them Polish identification. He had fifty or sixty Jews working in his factory. He he bought he scraped together everything he had, turn it in gold, and give it to to Nazi soldiers and, and buy Jews. He said, "One of my I, I like so well, I married her." You know, mm-hmm. so he got his wife out of one of these that he bought. But the stories of what these guys did, uh, we went to two hiding places. There only two known hiding places left in, in Poland, and one was a farm. I mean, it's so far out of the sticks, mm-hmm. and what happened was uh, there was a, a family of, I don't know, eight or ten in the family, and the youngest son had gone to town, and the Germans came and found a hiding place, nobody in it. But they saw the remnants of a Jewish book or Jewish science, so they took every every one of the family members out, shot them at the barn, killed them all, burned them, burned the barn down. Top of the kid gets home and to find what was there, but the hiding place is still there, and the family still has a hiding place that was under the barn. Um, I mean, just you, you see what these guys went through, and if you were caught collaborating to help a Jew, the price you paid, and they made sure the whole nation knew about it. You know, you're not going to help a Jew because if you do, burn, burn so, down on your head.
0: David, um, the only reason to really know history is a it's great stories. Mm-hmm. So if you like great stories, the great stories are there. Yeah, every story is there. Yeah. Um, but also if you're smart, you look at patterns yeah. because we repeat. Yeah. Um, I have been impressed recently that I think Nike, Google. Uh, Facebook, uh, the NBA—they're going to be remembered as Nazi collaborators. Yeah. Um, what's happening in China is—is is Hitler's dream. It's Hitler's dream. You know, Hitler worked with IBM, and that was something. And that's how they were able
1: to suppress the people. So what was it, 16 categories they found? Mm -hmm. You know, we know the preachers, we know the Jews, we know the homosexuals, we know the Mm -hmm. gypsies, we know the dissenters, we know
0: all of them. And they were just starting to get that. IBM did it. And they denied it for a long time, but a friend of ours actually wrote the book, IBM and the Holocaust. They smeared him for a decade. He kept researching, and he proved it. Absolutely, positively. And IBM actually had to come out and apologize to him and apologize for that. And
1: and their position day is, oh, yeah, that's old news. Everybody knows about that. Right, I know. They they just
0: blow it off. Right. But but now we are seeing the same kind of stuff happening in our day. And you're not hearing about people being smuggled out. I mean, some pastors are smuggling people out. Mm. But you're not hearing of these heroes yet. I don't know if they exist there. Um, and the world is just turning a blind eye and I find myself saying, be careful how you judge the past because it's just, it's right there and it's right in front of us. This time we know it. We all know it. It was rumors and whispers. We have satellite pictures. We know it. Yeah. And we're not doing anything
1: about it. The same thing with slavery. We are so captivated with slave trade and, and black slavery in America, etc, all right, 380 years of slave trade, there are 12.7 million and 380 years, nearly four centuries. Today there's 40 million. You're captivated on something 380 years ago that involved 12 million. It was all bad, shouldn't happen. How about today? When when the next generation looks back and says, "You guys had forty million slaves," did nothing about it, and they'll condemn this generation the same way you're condemning the past generation, and, and it, it
0: it repeats itself, and, and so the, the people problem, today are, are right in the middle of it. Right, and the problem today is, um, as two guys who have tried to wake people up on slavery, slavery, um, and these concentration camps and what's happening in the Middle East, mm-hmm. um. I completely understand the founders. I completely understand um, they didn't surrender. They couldn't get anyone to pay attention to it. No one wants to look at horrible things. Mm -hmm. And it's how you get away with it if you're a horrible monster of a human being. Yeah, You just switch the channel now. And, you know, even on the pattern of
1: how we learn from history, um, this to me— is one of the most cherished pieces of history that nobody knows about,
0: hmm.
1: and I'm intrigued. It's um, and, and by the way, let me let me go back because we we're talking about Holocaust, and what we do with history now. We have the current. It started in September of 2014. The AP History is the last history course a high school kid will get. It's it's the equivalent of college course. It, it serves for general history in college. They get in high school. It's the last course they get for history. 460,000 kids a year take it. And the September 2014 standards came out. And in World War Two, there were four lines of
0: what, four bullets of what World War Two is about. Uh, let me guess. Um, one had to be that we dropped the atomic bomb. That's it. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know what the others might be.
1: We had segregation in the military. We had segregation in the military. We deterred the Japanese, Yeah. and women didn't have full rights. There is no mention of Hitler or the Holocaust. Hitler or the Holocaust? not even there. Nazi, Hitler, Holocaust is not there. Uh, You don't have any of the Japanese genocide, killed 10 million Chinese, made sex slaves out of the Koreans. None of that. Everything is how bad America is. So even... I mean, the outcry was so bad that they went back and in September 2015 revised that they added two things. They did mention Hitler and the Holocaust. Nothing else. They don't go into You don't get D-Day. You, you don't get anything about Battle of the Bulge or Midway. There's nothing in World War II except America did four bad things. And as they say in the standards, it raised questions about American values. Oh, my gosh. You come out thinking oh my we're God. bad guys. So you, you look at something like this today. You, I mean, you said— You look at the pictures, you and Tanya at Auschwitz, you can tell. 68% of millennials do not know what Auschwitz is, and 22% of millennials have never heard of the Holocaust, have no clue what it is. How many? 22% of millennials have never heard of the Holocaust. 68% of millennials do not know what Auschwitz is. So that's the history. And, And by the way, the other thing I find intriguing is we've not only beat up our history, we now have, I think, 24 colleges in California where you, you cannot even get a history major if you want one. If you want one, you can't get it. University of, of Wisconsin can't get a history major if you want it. So they are not even offering history majors and if anymore. You're
0: doing, if you have a history major of world history, it's my understanding that America is not included in that. American history is not don't included. Even, don't even go there. J-
1: just take a history major. And the top 76 universities in America, if you go there as a history major... As 64, the 76, you will not have a single course on American history, not one, and you're going there as as an American history. How do
0: you tell the story of the world? From tell, the Enlightenment to today without America. Uh, you, you show how good the world would be if America hadn't had
1: slaves and if America hadn't done all the bad things it did, if America hadn't pressed civil rights. If, you,
0: we got 3% of the slaves in the slave trade, 3%. 2, 2.3% actually. Sorry, sorry, 2.3%. 23 Out of the 12.7
1: million slaves, 10.5 million made it to their destinations. Of the 10.5 million in four centuries of slave trade, 46% went to Portugal and Brazil, 26% went to Great Britain, 11% went to France, 10% went to Jamaica, 2.3% went to America. Now, everybody today thinks America is the only one involved in the slave trade for four centuries. 2. Point, now, we shouldn't have had 2.3%. I mean, no question, no excuse for that, but we are 2.3%. And by the way... America was the first nation to pass a ban on the slave trade and the second nation to end slavery. So, well, no, 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 Mexico. Well, was that's right, two. third nation. Oh, how could uh, I forget? Mexico was. Mexico.
0: Another. Well, war. they 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 signed a law and said in a hundred years it'll come. We're banning slavery
1: today. It'll end in 100 right. It'll years. end in a hundred years. So technically, right. Mexico is too. Right, but right. yeah, but they I kept it for hundred years. So I mean, all the stuff. But back back to this, we cherish or at least used to cherish certain rights in America and this little piece right here is an
0: amazing piece the case well you you read it the case and trial spelled with a y of John Peter Zanger never heard of him of New York printer who was lately tried and acquitted for printing and publishing a libel against the government You see, I've read about this. I just, oh, my gosh, this changed everything. It
1: changed everything because the law said the law, excuse me, the law said you cannot criticize the government. He did. And they took him to court and said, the law is really clear. You can't criticize the government. He said, but what if it's true? And he went through and pointed out that everything he said in criticism was true. And the jury said, you know what? He's right. And this is where. They came up with the doctrine that truth is an absolute defense against libel. You can libel, you can slander. But if it's true, it's not libel and slander. And so this is what secured freedom of the press. This is where in the Bill of Rights we have freedom of the press. It goes to this trial right here. And this and and here's the old system. The hoarder in me wants it so bad. (laughs) (laughs) We've got it, bro. We've got it. Good. (laughs) So this this is where back in the day, this is the power of the jury. The jury had the right to set aside the law as well as the sentence. Uh. And so in the case of William Penn, the the law in Great Britain called the Conventicle Act said you cannot assemble with more than five people unless they're from the Anglican Church. They didn't want anybody else. And so he would get with Quakers, and they were Quakers. And because he got with Quakers, he spent eight months in the Tower of London, dungeon kind of stuff. Eight months, William Penn? William Penn. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, eight months in the Tower of London. And when he got to trial, he argued for freedom of conscience and trial. And the jury said, you're exactly right. This guy should not be punished. And the judge was so mad at the jury that he threw them in jail. He took away food, water and heat from the jury until they changed their verdict. Now, they never changed their verdict. Higher court overruled him, But this is where we have the love of trial by jury. But what happened was in about 1890, the Supreme Court of the United States said, you know what? Juries have too much power. We judges should have the power. And so mm-hmm. that's when they ruled that the juries could
0: no longer. Under the, that's the beginning of the death of common sense. That is. It was. And that, that's, that's they, that progressive era. They, yeah, they wanted. I mean, I know Jefferson talked about how do we build juries? And there were people that said, oh, we got to get the best Doctors and the best, yeah. you know, educated people, and he said, "No, of your peers, I want people who have their hands in the dirt, that's right. who are farmers, who are regular, Common hardworking sense, guys." People. Yep, and, and
1: that's what they had, and and so back then, under the Constitution, it's called trying the law and the fact. So you could try the law and the fact, and the people in Great Britain said the Conventicle Act is a crazy law. As it, we, we disagree with it. Now, what happens today, and this is this is the evolution of American courts. We used to have what were called courts of justice. Our objective was to make sure we had justice. And if that meant striking down a bad law, we would do that. Holy cow. To then we got into what were called courts of law. And that's when the Supreme Court changed in the 18, late 80s or 90s and they said look we'll tell you what the law is you just decide the facts and we'll tell you whether the guy's got to be guilty or not you can decide but, but we'll tell you what the law is you know you know it's crazy david and, and by the way today we don't do law or facts the courts are defined the definition of court is a place to settle disputes no that's not what courts are for they're to uphold the law and
0: to give justice to, i've talked to several supreme court i'm uh, not supreme court uh federal judges and they have said they are now seeing the craziest verdicts from judges there is no underpinning anymore they're like it, it, constitution law nothing they're going well, off of feelings now
1: I, I will tell you that i am more excited right now about what is happening with judges than any time in my life i've got more gray hair than you do because i got several years on you mm-hmm. and i am seeing things happening with the first amendment that has never been
0: available in my lifetime before and tell me about it because i'm going to wreck i'm going to wreck it for you after you tell me about it i'm going to tell me what i'm going to pull out something because i got a list
1: of cases i just want to hit um let's go back to 1962 63 that's when the the supreme court said hey, religion, we're going to redefine all that. And so that's when they said no more voluntary prayer in schools, no more Bible, and then came graduations, then came Ten Commandments, then came nativity scenes, Mm -hmm. any religious, all gone. Mm -hmm. And all that hinges really on two cases. One's called the Lemon case, because in 62, 63, when they struck everything down, for the next 10 years, people said, well, we've been doing this for centuries. Now it's got to go. And, And so they keep ruling against all these religious expressions that we had for so long. And they said, let's just come up with a test on how you know whether it's constitutional or not. We're not use the Constitution to know, but yeah. we're not going to do that. So in the case Lemon v. Kurtzman, 1973, after about 10 years of all these cases, they came up with the, And here's their new test. They said— In 1973. 1973, called the Lemon Test. And it says, a religious activity in public will be constitutional if the primary purpose of that religious activity is secular. Oh, can you name a religious activity whose primary purpose is secular?
0: No, which is well, it? I could say if they wanted to do a pageant of Hello Dolly, but <laughs> 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 they're all one church is doing it. Sure, uh, but
1: but you can't win under that standard, no. mm-hmm. which which is why even the Ten Commandments came out. Because even though it says, don't steal, and don't kill, and don't purge yourself, even though there's more than 50 depictions inside the U.S. Supreme Court of the Ten Commandments, yeah. even though there, they said, well, the primary purpose is not secular. So we gotten rid of this now? Oh, yeah. This is what happened three months ago. Three months ago, there was a decision came to the Supreme Court Bladensburg, and here was the, here was the deal. The Fourth Circuit, uh, back in, in 1919, after World War I, 49 mamas in Prince George County, Maryland, lost their sons in world war one mm-hmm. and they said we want to do a memorial to our son remember this and they erected what's called the bladensburg cross it's been mm-hmm. there for 100 years they erected
0: it to honor their sons and others who died the, in the war and the churches had to mow the lawn because like no government money could be spent no, on upkeep or that, something like no, that that was, that was a different it? one that's oh, was. not okay. soledad
1: okay this was done and it, it's done mm-hmm. by the city and it was a mm-hmm. government cross and so I think it's the Fourth Circuit out there. They said, look, we hate this, but you've got to tear the cross down because you can't say the primary purpose of that cross was secular. You could have did a, done an orb. You could have done a pyramid. You could have. You did a cross, and there's no way to say the primary purpose is secular. That's a religious symbol. So, And the court said, we don't like this, but this is what the Supreme Court has told us, and we're stuck with doing it. And so— the, this goes to the, and, and the problem with this is the Fourth Circuit is what's over Arlington Cemetery. And it's not the private crosses of Arlington Cemetery to get torn down, it's a memorial in Arlington Cemetery. Sure. Two crosses that are part of memorials. And so when it got to the Supreme Court, this was one that was really big. Because uh, is the Supreme Court, see, the way this had been dealt with before, like Mount Soledad Cross, uh, Korean War Cross, and in California. The city just sold it to a private group and said, you guys have it. Now it's not a city cross anymore, Uh so you can keep the cross up. Uh And so that went through, I think, 14 lawsuits before they got this idea of selling it to private groups. And so it gets to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court said, you can keep the cross. You keep the Bladensburg cross, you leave it up, do not take it down. the city
0: gets to keep it. Uh, Not in private hands. It's
1: not in private hands. This is a government cross on government property. And the statement the court made, this is really key. They said, longstanding, religiously expressive monuments, symbols, and practices requires a strong presumption of constitutionality. In other words, if you've been doing this for a while, we're going to say it's constitutional. We're going to presume it's constitutional. See, the position we have now is you have to presume it's unconstitutional unless you can prove it is constitutional. Mm. They've now said, we're going to presume it's constitutional unless you can prove otherwise. And so the whole sh- landscape has shifted. So what they did was, as a result of that, they came back and said, you know, we've got this uh, World War II cross in Pensacola, Florida, and the courts have said it has to come down. You're going to leave it up because it's been there for a long time. It's a World War II cross. You- you're going to leave it there. Then they had uh, another case, uh, cases now at the court, cited in Florida, said football prayer. We've been doing that for a century. How, how, many-, how many years mm-hmm. we had football teams? So. We shouldn't have stopped prayer at football games. So the court's now deciding that one. But we wouldn't have had a shot on that before. But now we got one that's there. We've also got one, uh, the VA department um, had missing, it's table like this, missing man table. It's an empty chair. Uh, it's, a, it's a table setting and no one there because POWMIA. And they had a Bible there because it was actually a World War II Bible. And they had to take it down because there's not a secular purpose for having a Bible on a missing man table. Mm. Well the court came down with a decision. The VA department goes back and said, we've been having military Bibles since 1680. This is a long part of the military. We're putting Bibles back in every VA hospital and you can give out Bibles and you can have Bibles. They completely shifted the policy in the VA because of this decision three months ago. Then we've got a, a decision out of, I'm going to show you a picture here. I want you to see this picture, look at that picture
0: county of lehigh pennsylvania it's got a cross uh, uh i think there's a
1: pretty visible cross there Yeah, right is, in is the that middle is that kind of
0: visible yeah it's bigger than the liberty bell in
1: my lifetime we have never won a cross in a city seal even los angeles city of angels had a tiny little a tiny cross way up the, this is not a tiny cross there's nine no, symbols the i count that's a center and in and. and in L.A., had to take the cross out. Even Zion, Illinois—what Zion named after a religious town—it's right. got to take it out. Mm-hmm. Las Cruces, New mexico the crosses. the crosses, <laughs> the right. crosses—got to take them out. So we've lost every case. The court came down and said, "No, no, no. this has been a seventy years. This is constitutional. We're leaving." The That's a big cross in a city mm-hmm. seal. That's not a small one. So we
0: won that. So you can't put new stuff in. Well, you don't have to get rid no, of old stuff
1: at this point. We're going to be able to put new stuff in because the court's done something else that's pretty cool. And, and by the way, there's one more just came down Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago where that they challenged having prayer at the legislature because Pennsylvania says um, we open our legislature with prayer and you got to believe in God to pray. And atheist said, "That's discriminating against us. You can't do that. You can't discriminate against. We want to have a devotional, or say an inspirational statement." And the court came back and said, "No, no, no. We've been having open prayer open in Congress since 1774. It's fine to require a belief in God mm-hmm. to pray. I mean, we're winning stuff we've never won in my lifetime, and it's coming down every couple of weeks now. We're seeing another one going. Oh my gosh, this is now the other thing. The other case that's given us real trouble." is is back in 1980 the supreme court said you know what we can regulate your free exercise of religion and so since 1980 even though the, the constitution says they can since 1980 in a case called oregon v smith they said we can regulate so since 1980 we don't get to argue religious expression of the court we argue free speech so when coach joe kennedy up in washington state after a football game, went over by himself and took a knee without the kids, and he just knelt down and said, thank you, God, nobody got hurt in the game. Because he took a knee, they fired him because they said that's prayer. You can't do that. So in arguing the case, we can't say that he has the free exercise of religion. What we have to say is he has the right to free speech, and that's his expression. So we can't argue religion. We have to argue speech. So this case made it up to the Supreme Court last year. The Supreme Court sent it back down and said, we notice here that you didn't challenge the Oregon Smith decision. We want you to re-argue the case and challenge the Oregon Smith decision. Give us something to work with. So they're asking this case to come back so they can deal with Oregon Smith, which is the other thing that's killed religion for the last 60, 70 years. So the court has not only given us Bladensburg, which is the, the establishment clause, they're now asking for a case to get the the free exercise clause back. So we're looking at a First Amendment concerning religious speech we haven't had in seventy years sixty mm. years so uh, a you know, right, so it's a change it's so, a it's a, it's change. a good, change. It's a good and, change and i
0: don't think people understand how much um, uh, the court systems are changing both for the good and the bad yeah. um, well, the know, Tenth circuit the,
1: decision we just had up in, in oklahoma and tulsa and you know the, the stuff with the park that that uh... nudity in public is now fine and so all throughout that district, you, and so they had these big topless rallies, and you know that's a complete reversal. And you're going, my gosh, what are you thinking? Yeah. And and so you're getting crazy decisions, but you're getting good decisions. Yeah.
0: So here's the problem, uh, David. I, I I think you know I've always hated the argument. The founders couldn't have seen this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They did. They didn't see it exactly the way it's they didn't happening. Didn't cars and things like yeah, that. That's right. But they. They, the they were open enough to see the principles, what would happen, and give you the right as future generations to augment the Constitution to fit anything That's that right. didn't fit right now. That's right. Here's one thing that I, for the first time, I thought, I don't think they saw this. And you'd be the guy to correct me. Great. The Supreme court is doing that, but we are entering a time now where the Supreme court, uh, the government is covered by the constitution and bill of rights, but corporations aren't. Mm -hmm. And corporations now are My free speech in the public square. Well, it used to be the actual public square, the town green Mm -hmm. it's Facebook, Mm -hmm. it's Google. Um, you know i have a right to to uh my own voice and to let it be heard not now mm-hmm. not now and they'll relegate you oh no you can speak go outside your house speak all you want but that's they're not covered by the constitution and it's a flaw in the thinking of conservatives that we haven't had a real conversation about it where we always say hey Private company, they can do what they want, and I believe that. However, they are now the virtual world, which I don't think our founders saw. Mm-hmm. The virtual world is becoming more important than the actual world. Yeah. So all these changes of the Supreme Court, it may not matter in 10 years if we don't get a handle on the virtual world. Part
1: of what happens is... They didn't protect that because the Bill of Rights was not meant to protect; it was meant to limit the mm-hmm. federal government. And so, it wasn't about protecting rights; it was about keeping the government from getting right. involved. Right. So, in those
0: did rights. they see? Because that's what the that's what the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is handcuffs. That's right, it's handcuffs. That's it's it not. Handcuffs. It's not rights. It's you will not violate these rights, yep. okay? As the government, did they ever? think i mean they had the you know what was it the west india trading company or whatever um they had monopolies in those days they had monopolies they had so monopolies did they, they ever th- did they ever talk about how do you how do you protect against a world run by corporations
1: yeah and they they did it it was a virtuous and informed educated citizenry they got together and mm. said we're dumping all the tea in the harbor you've got a monopoly on the tea and we're not going to do that. And so many times it was the people got together and put the, their foot down. We are so accustomed to convenience today that we are willing to sell our, to use the old phrase, our, our, our birthright for a mess of pottage. Mm-hmm. And so we are not standing up. We're, we don't like what they're doing. And, you know, and so Prager, you, they're, they're suing a federal and state court and trying to, it's it's a mess. Uh, we've allowed monopolies to, to to get in a place where they were not. Under the Constitution, you didn't have monopolies. I mean, that just wasn't an option. The
0: founders, I don't think, saw um, a world controlled by um, corporations corporations that were bigger and more powerful than the government. And that were tyrannical. Correct. More tyrannical than the British government ever was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's happening right now, there's no rhyme or reason, and— nobody can hold them responsible what? Well, well yeah you could have held them responsible because
1: under the bill of rights you could take them into all 50 courts now they're a national corporation but if you get the feds out of this and get this back into the hands of the states and texas starts going after google and and well, they are well, they are mm-hmm. and, and so what happens is if it what what we're looking for and what we have seen and what justice breyer is complaining about is that the federal Supreme Court is starting to respect the 10th Amendment and give jurisdictions back to the states. And it's going to be
0: a whole lot easier to whip Google and state courts than it is in federal well, courts. and it's and it's I I mean, this is the thing that people don't understand. They really think that if you're a conservative or if you believe in the Constitution, you're you want to use it for your own. Yeah. You know, if you I mean, there are some the conservatives, that are like, oh, we'll get them. Um, but I will give you conservatives, constitutionalists, will give protection on those rights unlike That's anyone right. else. Right. Because it's the philosophy that you right. have that right and I have no place to interfere with you. Mm-hmm. And we have we have we've lost that idea. And so it's we're, we're not we're not fighting the right fight. No we're not and we're not fighting at the right levels
1: one of the things um, little commentary on what I think is, is one of the things that's, that's seriously wrong right now is we I don't care where you get your news 24 7 365 news will all be national now you have to work really hard to get local, local news mm-hmm. so we see everything from a more global perspective right and as a result um, I don't know if anyone, I don't know, and I, I've got friends everywhere, you do too, I don't know of anyone who can call the Supreme Court and say, are you guys just stupid? Well, change your vote. We can't get them to change the vote. I, I, can't, you know, I, I can't get the Senate to, to get rid of the, the stupid Rule 22 filibuster rule, let's get back to a majority like right. the founders wanted. I, I can't call Pelosi and say, Equality Act, are you crazy? You're violating every constitutional pr- – I can't do that. And so what happens is, if, if I can't do it, if you can't do it, and we're well-connected, What's the average citizen going to do? Yeah. And so what and so you happens, give up? And so you get paralyzed. You get mm-hmm. totally paralyzed and you store up your hands. What I love about the American Revolution is when you look at the first four battles in the revolution, if you take the Battle of Lexington, the Battle of Concord a couple hours later, a couple hours after that, the road to Boston, 19-mile battle, and then if you go to the fourth battle, Bunker Hill, nobody called headquarters nationally and said, George, what do you want us to do? In Lexington, Reverend Jonas Clark said, "This is my town. I'll take care of it." And he got seventy guys from his church to go out and, and mm-hmm. fight the eight hundred British. Two hours later, in Concord, Reverend William Emerson had three hundred guys out there fought the British. And British said, "This is bad. We got to get out of here." They turn and run the nineteen miles to get back to Boston. And all along the ways, between four and five thousand Americans, taking them on locally, it's Reverend Payson Phillips, Reverend Benjamin Boss. So all these guys got the church out there because the church was the leader in that day. Mm-hmm. But nobody went to George and said it's a national battle. We actually won the revolution not by having national battles. We won all the local battles. George filled in
0: where we needed him. It's It's the same thing. People talk about first responders, and it drives me nuts. Yep. That that started in the 70s with Jimmy Carter yep. talking about first responders. We are the first responders. We're, that, We're the first responders. Yep. When somebody breaks into your house, you are the first responder. Would well, you know,
1: James Wilson— um, who, one of only six guys who signed the Declaration and the Constitution, George Washington puts him on the U.S. Supreme Court as an original justice. He writes, he starts the first law school in America. He teaches law in the law school while he's sitting on the Supreme Court. Mm. We've actually got his law books. And when wow. it comes to the Second Amendment stuff, he says, if someone breaks into your home and something happens, you're the only one responsible. It's not the response time of police It's your house. It's your
0: castle. You're supposed to. If I'm not mistaken, if you had somebody break into your house and you didn't stop them, Mm -hmm. the next house they robbed, you were responsible, guy. Right? Because you didn't. And see, this
1: is this is where we don't have the mentality. If I'm going to do everything I can do right now, we're looking for somebody else to do it. And. Um, if let me just use a Christian example us being Christian let me let me take that example we have missionaries all over the world because we think the Christian faith is terrific you know we we've got a fulfilled life and we have purpose and worth and fulfilled destiny so what we've been doing in the Christian church for 2,000 years is sending missionaries everywhere and so now 32 percent of the world is Christian because we we put billions and hundreds of billions into doing that for 2,000 years here's a novel idea what if every single individual Christian just said, "You know, I'm going to share my faith with somebody else." Thirty-two mm-hmm. percent of the world. If we did that, one person. It's all for doing one person this year. I don't care about any. I'm going to do one person. At the end of this year, we're sixty-four percent of the world Christian. At the end mm-hmm. of two years, the whole world is Christian. Mm-hmm. That's just, if just individuals say, "I can't do anybody else's. I'll do one." And if I do one, but see, that's what wins the American Revolution is I'm going to fight the battle in my community. I don't care what's happening in New York. I don't care what they're doing in California. I have no interest in Alabama. I live right here in Jack County, Texas, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to
0: win this battle. You know, I think what's happening with the EU right now and how it's – that thing is just – that's a mess. It's a mess. Um, Yep. And a lot of those young nations are really, really giving them fits in in the right way. Good. Good. Um, yeah. What's happening in the EU is if they would have done the American thing, not now, but originally, they would have gone to him and said, Italy, you're fantastic. You've got all this culture and everything else. You know how to run your country. That's right. You run your country. When it comes to trade, we're going to make sure that you and Germany can trade and it's easy to mm-hmm. get along. But be yourself, fly that flag, that's right. you know, that's you right. could fly, you could fly the EU flag cause we're all together, but fly it underneath mm-hmm. even, or fly it side by side. Fly your state flag and fly the United States. Correct. Flagged. Correct. And that's where we were. People don't understand that where we went wrong, really seriously wrong was in around 1880, when you started having this philosophy mm-hmm. Coming out of the German universities. Yeah. The people who trained the yeah. Nazis were the ones who gave us this kind of theory. And we didn't have a doctorate program. It got into program. education. It got into church. It got, got into, into everything. Everything. Politics. Everything. It was. everything, And it, it's German. And what that led to were the Nazis, mm-hmm. you know, and, and communism. Yeah. And everybody's just shoving them in, you know. I when I was growing up you could go to a town and it would be different mm-hmm. it would be different now because of you know mass marketing and 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 uh, you know all good things you know you could go to and get a gap anywhere but it's all the same traveling is not nearly as fun as it used to be because you'd see the people were different and they were okay with that and you could go oh my gosh you've never been here you've got to go because the people are doing this and if it was a good idea you'd take it back home and you'd do it in your state you know right now california is so freaking screwed up so is new york Mm -hmm. texas is doing really well i don't have any problems with california yeah. Except California is requiring me to pay for their mistakes, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's and right. they expect everyone else to live to their standard. If they want to do that to their state, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, the
1: coerciveness that we have right now is the highest it's been in my lifetime. The, the intolerance is high, but the, it's not just intolerance is you're going to do what I want. You're, you're going to do what I say. And so California now is, we have six states punishing nine states because six states, actually in Texas, we think there ought to be a male and a female bathroom. You know, California doesn't, but they're not, not allowing.
0: California can do that.
1: Fine, but they're not allowing any of their government employees to come here. See, and, and that's what the, the founders called the right of expatriation. And that's the right to travel freely among the states. Mm. And that's what we had in the Constitution, two clauses. And now we have six states saying we disagree with that state. You can't travel to that state. You got to stay No, we got the right to travel freely among states. Now, I may not live in California. I may visit there and I like their beaches or I like whatever. But I'm going to live in Texas or wherever I choose to live.
0: And I'll live by their rules while I'm visiting. While I'm there. there. that, that you know, That's fine. They've got and crazy gun I, laws. If, Right. And if I decide to move there, I'll work to change the laws mm-hmm. in, you know. That's right. But, but don't try to bring don't California force me to That's do right. it. That's right. I, I've all my whole life. I've wanted to live in California. I'm a West Coast guy. I grew up in Seattle. I when I land anywhere on the Pacific seaboard, you're home. I'm home no matter where I am. Oregon, Washington, doesn't matter. Yeah. Vancouver, you're home. I'm home. And I feel that way. I've always wanted to live there it's my favorite weather it's my favorite yeah. everything it's my favorite time period even of all of the housing and everything else I wouldn't live there <laughs> that's right if you paid me a bazillion dollars a they year so I would coercive. not. yeah I wouldn't yeah. live there yeah. I'm fine with that I'm fine with that why are you making me live like you and we are making me subsidize correct you, your mistakes that's right look. It's crazy that we are still talking about universal health care nationally. Vermont, and it's no coincidence that the press didn't cover this. Vermont, as we're doing all of this Obamacare, Vermont decides they're going to do whatever it is. It's like, I don't remember, it's maple syrup care or whatever the hell it was. (laughs) It's one of those. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Vermont. It may be New Hampshire. I think it was Vermont. I think it's Vermont. Vermont. You know this? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, They started their own universal health care, and they said, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it right. It went bankrupt. Bankrupt. They couldn't do it. It didn't last. David, is there any doubt in your mind? You're a lifelong Texas, born and bred in Texas. Is there any doubt in your mind if Vermont had a way to come up and pay for everybody's health care, and it was great, and it was working, is there any doubt in your mind that Texans wouldn't say, you know what, let's look at that? Oh, no. If they if they came up with it and it
1: worked and it worked, everybody w- would right. To adopt, we would voluntarily adopt what works. Correct. We're, we're selfish enough to say, I want I want what's good for me.
0: Right. The only reason why this isn't tried state by state is because every time it does, it tried, doesn't work. It fails. And states can't do one thing that the federal government can do. Print money.
1: Well, you know, it, it's an interesting argument. It, it's it's not logical. But with the LTP program that we have in the summer for youth leadership, explain Mercury, that for anybody. Um, Mercury One joins with, with you, Glenn, who i bring let kids know about it. But we'll bring in kids in the summer for two weeks, and they get to handle all these documents. They learn the origins of all of our rights and how to protect them, et cetera. But they get apologetics on, on history, on American exceptionalism, on Explain economics. apologetics,
0: because most people don't even know what apologetics Apologetics
1: are. means know why you believe what you believe and be able to defend it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Most people know what they believe. They can't defend it, and they don't know why they believe it.
0: Roger Ailes, I did, um, I did an interview with Roger Ailes at Fox, and he invited me out to dinner twice, and we just talked, and— um, he was charming and fine and it was great. And then he wanted to talk to me about working there. And so he said, uh, come have dinner. And I was like, okay, that's great because they've been fun. We talk about George Washington and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I sat down with him and he said, um, no chit chat. First thing he said to me. So was, no warmth at all. No no warmth. Wow. And he said, what are your thoughts on the 1972 treaty with China? and I went
1: that's your opening conversation
0: yeah that was first question it didn't even say I think he may have said hello um, and he said he asked me that and I said I I don't know anything about the 1972 treaty I I, I haven't spent any time on that and he went hmm and he didn't talk to me for like five six minutes not a word didn't look at, at dinner me, with him. just cutting his steak and just nothing and I'm like, okay. And then he said, so Eisenhower, tell me tell me the five best things about the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> and I sat there and I thought to myself, I'm dead. I'm doomed. And I said, you know, Roger, um, I have two ways to play this. I could either bluff, but I think you're smart enough to know that I'm bluffing. Or I could just come clean and say, I don't know that one either. And if I do that, I think I'm probably not going to get any job. But I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> he didn't talk to me for another five minutes. Oh, wow. He threw me up against the wall for two and a half hours. He said, what's your problem with the Catholic Church? And I said, what? He said, you left the Catholic Church to join your your religion. Why, why would you do that? What was wrong with the Catholic Church? He threw me up against the wall over and over and over and over again and i had to think on my feet and i had to be honest he ended the conversation i thought i mean i think i lost 10 pounds for just in sweat and uh and my head was spinning as we got up from dinner and he said to me uh i thought there's you know this was just a nightmare and there's no way we're ever going to see each other again And he put his coat on and he looks at me and for the first time he smiles and he puts his hand out. And he said, it's really rare that you get to have uh, an evening of conversation with somebody who knows what they know, knows what they don't know and can defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's apologetics. That's apologetics. uh, He wanted to know a, are you going to crack under pressure? Are you going to lie under pressure? Yeah. Um, are you going to be arrogant and think that you're the smartest man in the room? But more importantly, why do you believe the things yeah. you believe? Yeah. That's game changing. In in, in a human's life, that's game it's changing. It's game changing. And that's
1: where so many young people get attacked by professors who are very good mm-hmm. a- and one of the greatest forms is mockery I can't believe you actually ble- and they don't know why they believe it and they've been made fun of for whatever they believe and so they'll abandon it very quickly and a- as a result they can't defend what they believe they've been kind of coerced into it uh, I was doing a little article the other day I-, I don't mean to be logical here but let me be logical for a mm-hmm. minute the, the thing that happened a week or so ago where they had the 3600 strikes of young people because of climate change mm-hmm. and all the signs of mm-hmm. well you're enjoying your life i mm-hmm. will be dead you know and and so all this fear that that's that's out there and so i started looking do you know how many i don't I, i'm asking do you know how many hurricanes we have a year no i don't know I, 15 20 i'm Typhoons on one hemisphere. Yeah, I have no idea. I I, I, I don't know. Maybe ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then if you throw in tornadoes, mm-hmm. you know we have about two hundred a year in the United States. I don't know where it is elsewhere. And then w- when you when you throw in uh, volcanoes, mm-hmm. I guess maybe ten or twelve. Golfy, I don't know. According to NASA, one hurricane is the equivalent of ten thousand nuclear weapons. One hurricane. One volcano is 10,000 atomic weapons. And I started looking, I said, so every year we've got like 2 million atomic or nuclear weapons going off, and the planet still seems to be in pretty good shape. So what is it we think we're going to do to damage the planet? I mean, if nature itself has that much destructive planet and we can't even tell the difference, what are you kids worried about? I'm not quite sure I understand this. Uh, well, it's the carbon dioxide. Yeah, but the carbon dioxide that comes out of one erupting volcano is more than you'll produce in a generation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, we're not even logical, but they have been so scared into certain things and, and you know. And
0: shamed and mocked that's right. into it. But and, and there's s- a thing about people nobody wants to be a pariah. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be a pariah. You know, are you born gay? Well, I think some people are. I think some people, you know, choose whatever. But nobody except a sadist goes, you know, I want to be an outcast. I want to be mocked and ridiculed by everybody. You all, everyone wants to be a part of the cool kid table. Yeah, they do. Right. And so when the cool kids are mocking you, you grew up.
1: And see, that's where if you can get. If you can get young people to get their feet down, know why they believe it, know what the benefits are. Of, you've seen both sides. You've examined all the evidence. It's like a jury. And that's what we kind of do at the leadership training program is we, we kind of have them be a jury. We'll give you both sides. Look at it. Where well, does the first,
0: first The first thing that happens is the leadership training program, which, again, Mercury One does. Wall Builders is a partner in that. And um, we bring these 40 kids in for two weeks uh, and we do it three times during the summer. Um, and they come in and some of them are very clear on what they believe and what they don't believe. Yeah. Um, but the first thing you do is you just ask them questions. We just deconstruct them. What do you believe? We don't care what they believe, what what side they're on. We just make them. Defend. I believe in I believe in Jesus. Really? Why? Yeah. You know, even things Prove that it. we believe in, they'll we'll come in and say, well, you because you You have to tear them down. You have to get to a place to where they go, well, I don't don't know. I never thought about it. Good. That's Mm -hmm. the beginning. Well, the thing that
1: comes out with socialism, because the stats we've seen, uh, we see stats that that right now up to 75 percent of college students support socialism. It's 69 percent of millennials support socialism and 41 percent of the entire nation support socialism. That's crazy. So, which means, you know, a typical kid coming in, three out of four are going to believe socialism. And so we'll just ask them, why do you think that's a good deal, et cetera? And, and then we'll ask them, okay, the world's been around 5,500 years recorded history, several thousand nations history of the world. Can you name a single nation? Can, can you name any nation where socialism has produced prosperity and freedom? Yeah.
0: The Netherlands.
1: Yeah. Sweden they're great yeah and, and, and Sweden it's it's interesting to see even their social media in Sweden quit saying we're socialist we're no. not
0: so you know the prime minister flew over here to give a press conference to say stop we're saying not, this we're not, not they are actually more free in business than we are right that's now.
1: that's right and and so when we eventually get the kids down to it and we say why have they all failed and they say well they've never done it right And we say what would you do different that would make it work? And they can never give an answer to that. They can, they never provide an answer, and, and so we've gotten into this thing of, of, we just respond to what's out there. You know, it, we were talking about Google and everything. We don't even know why we believe what we believe on, on that, or how we we haven't thought through. How would I do? How how could I get Google? What could we do that would get them to respond differently? What we don't even think about that. We look for somebody else to solve the problem, and until we become self sufficient individuals who are confident with what we know, and and, you know, you were talking about founding fathers, things that they didn't foresee, and I firmly believe that. I was asked to go to Ukraine to help them do a constitution. So in Ukraine. They, they became an independent nation from Russia, I think, in 92. Mm-hmm. They didn't have experience of freedom. They mm-hmm. threw together the Constitution. It's not great. They got a lot of corruption. So spent time in their law schools and in their government schools, et cetera. What does an American tell a Ukrainian about how to do a Constitution? Copy the American Constitution? That didn't help them. And so what I, what I did and what I think is so significant and what I think the Founding Fathers did so well I went over there. I I bought some really old books, 1400s, 1500s, 1600 books. I bought um, Grotius, books by Hugo Grotius and Samuel Pufendorf. Um, I took books by by Blackstone and and Montesquieu and Locke, and so I took these five over, and then I I had a bunch of science books. So Robert Boyle and Isaac Newton got his science books. Um, You got Kepler. You, You got all these guys. And so I said, you know, these guys, Boyle lived 500 years ago. I mean, 500 years ago, he gave us Boyle's Laws of Gases. It's because of Boyle's Laws of Gases that I scuba dive. Now, I guarantee you, 500 years ago, he did not think anyone would ever be underwater breathing. Never crossed his mind. Doesn't matter. We took the principles he gave us, and we used different technology with the principles. The principles are sound. Newton gave us the laws of gravity and the laws of motion. I'm a pilot. Only reason I can fly a plane is because I understand the second law of motion, Bernoulli's principle. Now, Newton never thought anybody would be in a plane flying above the earth. Never. Doesn't matter. We take his principles. And and that's what I think we miss so often is we don't understand the principles that undergird what we do because we can add technology all day long, and it does not change the principle. That principle will not change. And what the founding fathers gave us with a set of principles – that have lasted the average constitution lasts 17 years in the history of the world we're now 232 years those principles work and so all this all this pressure that they're outdated and, and we we now have justice Breyer who wrote a book saying we got to get away from the constitution
0: jeez we have ginsburg who looks to the south african constitution that's right
1: which is already folded already folded <laughs> She I, I, I guess she likes mentoring, mm-hmm. but she spends her three months traveling young nations and helping their judiciary consistently says, do not use the American Constitution. Terrible. Use Nigeria, use South Africa, use whatever. We've got Judge Richard Posner, who just came out with the book, says judges need to stop following the Constitution. It's oh, It's outdated. It's like saying the laws of gravity are outdated. It's like it's saying the, the Keplers.
0: All men are created equal and endowed by a creator with certain inalienable rights. It never goes out of date. It never it's goes the out greatest of mission statement ever.
1: Out. And so getting, getting kids to understand that, which is, you know, what, what we see with the leadership training program is transformational stuff. Because I kind of look at them like the founding fathers. They actually use their brain. They think. They now know how to reason through. They can defend their beliefs, and they're willing to change their beliefs Mm -hmm. if they get evidence for it. Mm -hmm. We teach them to go after truth. Wherever truth leads you, that's where you want to be.
0: And sometimes it's very uncomfortable.
1: Very uncomfortable, and sometimes it's not what your tribe is saying. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to be with the other tribe because that's where truth is. And so the ability to follow truth rather than belong to a tribe, that's a big deal Mm -hmm. in today's culture because the
0: tribalism is massive. Right, because we've lost the most important tribe. And that is the, the tribe that believes all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain rights. Because we no longer believe that mm-hmm. we have to break up into little tribes yeah. and it, it doesn't work. We were having dinner last night with a university president, president mm-hmm. and um, cool guy. yeah, really nice guy. And um, he said, I am starting to tell people now when parents ask me, I'm now starting to say, "Don't send your kids to college." I was floored by that. Yeah. It's a university president, and he said they're so the very successful one, by the way. Yeah, and he said they are so off track. Our our, the, he said Hillsdale and uh, University of uh, the Ozarks, right? And that's the that College of the college Ozarks. Of the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. He said, other than that, he said everything's off tracks. Just he's it. Just they are. They are indoctrination camps. And I said, I keep telling my wife this. I, why would I? We've spent 18 years trying to mold these kids right. and to teach them how to think, not what to think, how to think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just I'm going to pay somebody to, de- deconstruct to destroy them? that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And pay a high price to destroy. And by the way, there was a University of Connecticut study that came out. Even if, I I mean, I'm with you, destroy faith and worldview and philosophy, terrible. But the University of Connecticut came out with a study that proved what they called negative learning. They actually followed kids through four years of college at what are considered elite universities. And they found that testing the kids going out as seniors, they actually knew less academically than when they came in as freshmen. They actually lost knowledge in that period of time. So you pay extensive money, six-figure money, to have them lose their faith, their character, their belief, and they lose knowledge, knowledge along the way.
0: So we were we were talking last night because we were talking to this guy about uh, our leadership training program, and well, I don't want to break any news and make an announcement. Um, we are we are actively engaged in a collecting all of this history, uh, but then giving access to this uh at home and also teaching it because mm-hmm. uh, he said get an apprenticeship and then take then take real specific courses on right. what you skill want courses. to learn skill courses mm-hmm. and and what you want to learn and then look for great teachers of how to think That's on right. certain subjects, not what to think. Not what to think. think. That's right. And um, and I'm I have to tell you, David, uh, I'm really excited about what we're working on. Uh, and and I think this has been that is the we've future. We've been talking this vision for ten years. Ten years, I know. And we're now we're looking over the threshold, getting close to to seeing this come in the house. And it really is. Well, cool. Can I? Can we share the conversation that we had recently about? how I've said we have to change. Do you think that's Mm -hmm. worth saying? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, David and I, we've been partners now for a long time and we both have the same heart and we both have the same vision on, on so much. And um, our priorities have been to first teach people how to help themselves locally. That was the first goal of Mercury one is Let's not reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Let's help people who are actually Equip making a difference right in their community. That's right. Um, and find the people who are making those changes with the least amount of waste. You know, we look at charity as an investment in people. I want to invest in somebody that's going to be able to make the biggest impact yeah. in their community. Um, so that was the first one. The second, uh, the second goal was to, to gather the history, yeah. Something that came, you know, 10, 11 years ago. And I, I think I first told you before anybody else, I keep feeling and hearing clay pots. Yeah. And I think that means one of two things. And I think it actually means both. Preserve the history and then put it in a safe place. <laughs> But also And by the way, that is the Dead Sea Scrolls. The
1: Dead Sea Scrolls were in clay pots, yes. had been put away for two thousand years. That's why they exist. That's
0: why right. they exist, right. because clay pots right. preserve that history, right. preserve the faith. Right. So I I saw that at that time and David you and I were talking, and I said, We need to preserve this history and we need to have a place where it is safe for whatever might come our way. Because I don't trust you know, if the government goes rogue Mm-hmm. And they have all of the documents and everything else. You know, you're, you're not going to see it. Yeah. Um. So do that, but also look at our children as clay pots and plant it deep, deep in inside them. of them. And um, and so we we have been focused on the first part of clay pots, and we have dabbled strongly, I think, in planting it. In We've been testing children. it for a few been, years, and it's working really well. And testing it, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, and I think because of the time we live in, David and I just had a conversation just recently about how I don't want to build a building. I don't want, I it, we're losing too much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to teach children. Yeah. And it is, it's one of the reasons why we we're meeting with... And we've got to teach them principles not indoctrinate them. Oh. I, I mean, if you...
1: Yeah. Uh, that's what's
0: so exciting about the LTP when I this when I come because I come at the very first day so I meet everybody the first day and I know the ones who are like you know got a chip on their shoulder or they came because somebody said you should go there and you should talk to these guys because you'll rat them out you know or whatever and I so I see where yeah. everybody is and then I see everybody at the very end and most of them are crying yeah. when they come up to me and they're like this has totally changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exciting. It is exciting. It's exciting. And, and, and I I don't know how to
1: say this well, but every session we've had at least one kid who's gone back and changed their professor yeah. by asking their professor the questions they were asked, and their professor can't answer the questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, good for the professor, we're willing enough to look for truth that they actually
0: changed yeah. But one of our students was I actually just, teaching their professor. That's right. What I, Every Tuesday, they the professor said it was great. Yeah, he got he, he got this this student's uh, essay back or paper back and wrote on it: "You are either the dumbest person ever, and you deserve an F because you're making stuff up, or you know stuff I don't know. Yeah, come see me." And uh, she went in and said, "No, professor." Here, here, and here. Let's look it up together. And he said, "I didn't know any of this. Yeah, I didn't know any of this." And she actually was asked to come to his office he said, once a week.
1: He said, "Where did you learn this?" Yeah, and she said, "I just went to this leadership training program for a couple of weeks, and we went through all the original documents, and we went through the stuff, and we." And he said. That's it. Let's come in once a week. I want you to show me the stuff that you learn. And she took her notes from the summer
0: and just started taking him through all those things. So let's let's end this here. We need a couple of things um, and (laughs) didn't really talk about doing this, but I think this is a good place to do it. Need a couple of things. We need an army of people that can uh, can take original documents, handwritten documents, and then write them out. Transcribe them. First. Transcribe them, yep. and and uh, and accurately transcribe them. And we, you know, if we had one hundred and twenty thousand people, we could get it done in one day. <laughs> That's right. Uh, just just your collection. Um, uh, so we need we need people that are willing to carefully, prayerfully, and uh, patriotically really go and look at them and make sure those things are right. And some of them aren't that that. Earth-shattering,
1: remarkable. You know, they may be a land deed. They may be a, a, a jury summons. We don't know what they are, all of them. We just know they're handwritten, and a lot of them are by founding fathers who signed the documents. And they just got to be transcribed.
0: Um, because what we're doing is we're building a website, and hopefully it'll come out and be ready maybe next year, at least to start The start stuff, of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where you'll be able to find, you know, Dave and I were talking yesterday. I want to be able to go, you know, Free speech. And it'll pull up all the original documents and you'll be able to do your own research there and you will have the greatest footnote. I loved what you said about one of the LTP students that came just last year and said, goes to a really good university and said, I, I've never been asked for so many footnotes ever. Yeah. Because um, we are rigorous on that.
1: Well, you know, a- after we get them for a week and a half and they start knowing that we're giving them a lot of knowledge and a lot of things on both sides. We get to where we say, why do you believe what I just told you? You should be asking me, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. Where did you get that information? Why? Are you, just Love because that. we've had you for a week, why are you believing us? Right. And, and so Don't we, trust we, us. That's right. Don't trust us. Right. Is chal- yeah. And that's where they get that footnote stuff. Mm-hmm. Go back and find a footnote for everything, and you document, and you can't use Wikipedia as a yeah. source. Sorry, you got to use an
0: original source somewhere. Right. I'd also ask, if, if you have uh things even things from today like people think it's crazy but um you know we just as an object we just bought uh those betsy ross nike shoes yeah. because that's a part of american history to tell the story of how screwed up these companies were i'm trying to get a pair of vans now because they had vans had the sneaker made for the hong kong uh um protests oh wow and vans pulled them off because oh, it offended wow. china um but <laughs> we need we need you to collect even things today yeah. um that will be historic and just let us know if you have things that you would like to be preserved we can preserve those things if you just don't know what to do with them We can also, if you have something of real value, we may end up purchasing it or we can put you in touch with people who, uh, you know, do that for a living. Or if you want to contribute it, we'll take that. Yeah, We'd love to have you contribute. Uh, The other thing is we want to make an offer and that is send your kids to our leadership program. Right now it is only happening in the summer, but uh, we'd like a very long waiting list. Um, and so you just go to mercuryone.org i think it's under leadership training leadership is. and you can sign up uh, we are hopefully going to be opening this up for more ages age groups and families um, in the future uh, but right now we're taking anyone 18 to 25, 25. Um, and sometimes a little lower than that if you're going to college at 17 instead of 18 mm-hmm. fine Uh, but we, um, we're designing courses right now. We've been working on the 18 to 25 year olds. We'll be designing things for younger and for older and for family. And we would love for you to, uh, uh, have your children sign up for, for this, or if it happens to be you and you're 18 to 25, we'd love to see you. You will get an experience for two weeks, uh, that nobody gets nobody gets for instance you'll get to now this is a gentleman's magazine (laughs) that's right when i was growing up a gentleman's (sighs) magazine did not look like this and it had pictures in it this doesn't no pictures no pictures and your gentleman's magazine didn't did not have poetry in it yes this is may 1773 why is this important david because uh
1: little black girl named phyllis wheatley has a poem in that and the story of phyllis is such a cool story how she got to america and you know as a slave and and the wheatley family that bought her and raised her as a daughter and and so she's the first black published poetess in america and there so you go isn't right Isn't she our
0: first uh what do you call those po- poet laureate wasn't she no no that, she wasn't that wasn't going at the time okay. mm-hmm. um uh, but she became good
1: friends with Benjamin Franklin. She wrote a poem about Benjamin Franklin. She wrote a poem about George Woodfield. She she wrote a poem about the Stamp Act, the repeal of the Stamp Act. She wrote poems about Washington. Washington actually had her come to Cambridge and read poetry to the troops, kind of like a USO, you know, mm. like bringing Bob Hope in. And, and
0: so, I mean, she's just a remarkable, remarkable lady. And uh, uh, she was someone... That Benjamin Franklin, who was really a strong abolitionist, I mean, really paid for it uh, dearly in the end, uh, brought her around uh, to, to like stage shows, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, had her read poetry just to convince those stupid people yeah. that, no, uh, you know what? Blacks are just like you. She's and, uh, black and she's a lot smarter than Lottie a lot of you. A lot smarter than you. That's right. A lot smarter than you. David, thank you. Thanks, bro. All right. You bet. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.